the Lord put it on my heart, had been talking to me about this, and I'd never done this before and never have thought about doing it, but don't want to come off as gimmicky or strange, and it's December, so I'm, I'm not really a big holiday preacher. I preach whatever the Holy Ghost tells me to preach. I think it is kind of fitting that he wants me to preach this sermon series now instead of in, like, you know, February. But uh, the Lord was just talking to me, and I was t thanking him for these different folks that wrote the Christmas carols. Now, I'm not talking about Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer, which is a pretty good one, but um, those who have a little bit more theological sustenance and substance. And the Lord said, just, just take those four songs that you were just talking to me about and preach on them. I said, that's possibly the weirdest thing you've ever told me to do. But you're my boss, so I'll do it. So this morning we're going to talk about the Christmas hymn or carol, O Holy Night. And I just want to read you the lyrics to this carol. This is my favorite carol um, of all. It says, O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Then he says this, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Aren't you glad that we're not stuck in sin? We're not pining away. It says, Till he appeared and a soul felt its worth. And this word right here, the Lord just was really ministering to me about a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. For yonder <laughs> breaks a new and glorious morn. You know the, the chorus, fall on your knees, hear the angel voices. O night divine, O night when Christ was born, O night divine, O night, O night divine. Then he says, truly he taught us, this is the second verse that I'm going to talk, show you and talk about a little bit. But truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppressions shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. His power and glory evermore proclaim. What a powerful, powerful song. You know that song, a little a brief history about that song. It was written in 1843 by a guy who wasn't a believer. The priest in the local town in this French little community that he lived in came to him and said, I'd like you, you're a poet, I'd like you to write a poem about Christmas. Go to Luke chapter 2 and just pin a poem about what is being said in this gospel passage. And this guy was not a believer, not born again. And so he did. He wrote this poem. He called it Christmas Song. And uh, if you're a history buff and want to know, his name was Placid Capo. And... Uh, it wasn't until 1855 that his friend, who was also a heathen, put it to music. Not believers, just sinners in the community. And uh, Adolf Adam put the poem 
to music and made it a song for us to be able to sing. And after a few years, this started to get some recognition in the churches and people began to recite the poem and then even began to sing the song in 1855. Like I said, he put music to it. And so here they're reciting this poem and singing this song and then some of the Christians had a great idea. How many of you love it when Christians have great ideas? And they decided to research the origin of the song and come to find out that it wasn't pinned by a believer, so they threw it out of the church. Or they tried. So they immediately stopped singing the song and immediately stopped reciting the poem. Now I just got done reading what was equivalent to the gospel message. I mean, this poem and this song are pretty powerful and very biblically uh, sound. Amen. Which, by the way, can't always, that can't always be said about our, our hymns and our Christmas songs. We don't get our theology from the hymn book. We get our theology from the Word of God. And if the hymn book doesn't stay true with the theology of the Word of God, then we don't part with the Word of God. We part with the hymn book. So then fast forward five years, you may know this. Maybe this is boring to you, and if it is, I'm sorry. But fast forward five years, and here, excuse me, five decades, 50 years, and here's a 33-year-old man in his workshop, a Canadian professor. He'd been tinkering and tinkering away at this machinery, and many of the people around him said that you're wasting your time. It's never going to work. You can't broadcast sound over the airwaves. It'll never work. And so in 1906, Christmas Eve, <laughs> he got it to work. And here the first ever broadcast to the world in AM radio. And here this guy, this is how cool God is. And by the way, this is all the inventions of man were meant to propel the gospel of Jesus Christ, including the internet. So the very first thing ever broadcast over the airwaves in AM frequency is this 33-year-old Canadian reading Luke chapter 2 into a microphone. And he probably said, A, and don't you know, and things like that. Then he puts the microphone down and he picks up a violin five decades later and he begins to play Oh Holy Night. First ever song played over the airwaves in the world is Oh Holy Night. The first ever voice carried over the AM airwaves was proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. What an what a awesome, awesome reality, right? I think sometimes we get into these situations where, you know, we get so busy doing the stuff that we forget the reason why we do the stuff. We get so busy trying to keep up and catch up and we got to run here and run there. And I don't know about you, but I've been uh, a little bit of a Scrooge at times when it comes to Christmas because I'm like, 
you guys aren't wearing me out, I'd rather go to work. I'd have more peace and I'd have more joy and I'd have more strength if I could just go work 13 and 14 hour shift. Because I got to go to 1,700 different Christmas gatherings. So I've, I've had a bad attitude at times, I'm, I'm sure that you never have, uh, about getting busy. But, you know, for us to remember the messages that are there in these songs. Now, not all of them are as powerful and not all of them have as cool of a story. That's a pretty cool story. And uh, not all of them have that, that driving message. But just to think about that again, to reiterate that, the first voice carried over the airwaves and frequency for radio it was 1906 and a man is reading Luke chapter 2. Preaching the gospel. And then he played Oh Holy Night. I think that's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. Amen. So thinking about what the song's saying and thinking about that night and thinking about some of the things that were surrounding that event and some of the things surrounding the birth of Jesus, I, I began to just kind of jot some things down to get them out of my head and make sure that I didn't forget them. And here's this teenager who's pregnant. She's with child. And she'd never been with anyone. Never had relations with a man. She convinces her fiancé that, yes, indeed, she is with child. Yes, indeed, she is pregnant. But, get this, the, the one that got me pregnant was God. Can you imagine how that went over? No, we, we've heard the story for so long that we're just like, yeah, you know, born of a virgin, I get it. Can you imagine how difficult that would be to go to your mother or your father and say, hi, I'm pregnant. The father of my child's the Holy Ghost. I'm still a virgin. Can, there was no book to reference. Oh, yeah, I heard about that one time. I, I've heard of this before. Can you imagine? I mean, that would be chaos. Right? So we see in Luke chapter 2 that there's a decree that goes out, right? And so they have to leave Nazareth and they have to go over to Bethlehem. So here you've got this woman, she's a teenager, she's not married yet, and by the way, she's still a virgin and she's pregnant and the father's the Holy Ghost and she's engaged or betrothed to another man. That's kind of a chaotic situation. And they've got to go not just down the road, a hundred miles at least, depending on what way they took, it's at least a hundred miles on a donkey. Can you imagine today a nine-month pregnant woman getting on a donkey and riding 100 miles? No. Let me go there again, Kim. Can you imagine a nine-month pregnant woman getting on a donkey? I'm not talking about a highway with smooth roads and no pressure cracks and no bumps or potholes. We're talking about riding a donkey 100 miles. Now, put you on the coziest, cushiest, best possible vehicle known to man today. Nine months pregnant, you got to ride 100 miles. We would be throwing a fit. I'd have to stop to Starbucks at least three times in a hundred miles. A hundred mile trip 
everybody say chaos. That would be chaotic. And here, again, mind you, they're carrying with them this story. I have this teenage fiancé who's pregnant because the Holy Ghost did it. <laughs> We're going a hundred miles from Nazareth into Bethlehem because the decree went out. And finally they get into Bethlehem. And here's the picture that most people paint. And it's a religious picture. And it's ignorant. They say, well Mary and Joseph were poor. And Jesus was poor. And everybody should be poor. Because that's God's plan. No, they went to an inn. To check into a room. But there wasn't a room. They weren't without. They just came to a place where there was no room for them. So here they go into where the animals are fed. We know it as... A manger, most theologians believe that it was more like a cave. This particular place. So you see some, some pictures of the nativity and there's this hollow cut out into a stone. That's actually pretty, pretty biblically accurate. So they go into a cave where the animals eat food and where the animals sleep. Nine months pregnant. Just got done riding a donkey for a hundred miles. Don't you think that your bones... Now, I wouldn't be able to tell you for sure because although I look like it, I'm not pregnant and neither have I ever been. But don't you think that your body would want to just take a break? Maybe get you into a hot tub and wait for the birthing process to begin. No, 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 no. No, there's no room for you here. We're sorry, sir. You're going to have to go out here in a cave in the dark where animals eat food. I wonder if it was warm or cold that night in the desert. It's cold. And it's pretty dark. And here, there's this nine-month-old pregnant woman who's traveled a hundred miles on a donkey and the stinking, annoying star will not stop shining in her eyes. Are you getting the picture? Chaos. Chaotic. No doctors. No medicine. No epidurals. No Tylenol. Not even like ice chips. Nothing. Joseph, who's still trying to be like, for real? God got you pregnant? For, I know the angels told me, but for real? In this cave. In here, this teenage woman who's with child of the Holy Ghost. No comfort, no warmth, no doctor, no meds. Delivers a baby. In a cave, in a trough, a manger where animals come to eat. That's chaotic. That would be a, a bad day for most of us. I don't know about you, but if I got on a donkey, I wouldn't want to walk a hundred centimeters on right a hundred centimeters on a donkey, let alone a hundred miles. And like I said, I'm I'm not with child nine months ready to deliver. So there's a, a whole lot 
And here, Luke chapter 2 paints this different story. I wonder if Mary knew something that maybe the people in the inn didn't know. I wonder. Well, of course, we know, biblically speaking, she did. Amen? So here Christ comes. But we see this, this lyric in the song, a thrill of hope. Can you imagine looking at that scene? Just naturally speaking, not, not through stained glass eyes and stained glass religious glasses and lenses because we know the story. But can you imagine looking at this scene and then penning? And suddenly a thrill of hope came. A thrill of hope. It's freezing cold. My body hurts. I don't have any help. I don't have any comfort. I don't have a bed. There's not water that we know of. And a thrill of hope rushes into this scene? How could it possibly be? Turn to Lamentations chapter 3, if you would, this morning. And uh, we'll look at some scriptures in Lamentations. It's right after Jeremiah. Jeremiah also wrote Lamentations. It's a little, nice little book in between Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Lamentations chapter 3. And we see Jeremiah speaking in a position of distress. He's talking about and recalling the hardship and the trial and the issues that he had. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 21 it says, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Now he just got talk, done talking about the enemy and the sword and the, the claws and the problems. And he attributed it to God, but God didn't do it and God didn't cause it to happen. And he's talking about all the issues that he's facing and all the problems that he went through and the adversity and the obstacles and the issues. And then he says, this I recall... Therefore, I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we were not, or are not, present tense, consumed. Because of his compassions, they, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Look at this word hope. It just keeps coming up. I bring these things to mind. I recall them in my mind. Therefore, I have hope. He says, through the Lord's mercies, we were not consumed because of his compassions. They didn't fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I hope in him. 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. This, to the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should hope. And wait quietly, quietly for the salvation of the Lord. In despair, in problems, in circumstance, in issues. In the midst of all the chaos going around in Jeremiah's world. Still there was this hope that he found 
in God. There was this hope that he found in his faithfulness, some hope that he found. And today it's interesting because we have some kind of chaotic things going on in the world today that we can see where danger and threat are lurking around, it seems, every corner. And we have cyber problems, and we have viral problems, and we have ISIL problems, and we have presidential problems and we have economic problems and there's this this chaos and we have to prop ourselves up and recall the faithfulness of God and recall the salvation of God and say if it wasn't for his mercies that were new every morning I would be crushed and destroyed but because of his mercies that are new every morning I have hope in God I'm not without hope and the problems that are going on in the world they're not going to take me out they're not going to push me down. They're not going to quiet me or silence me. In fact, I'm going to take what I am and what I have and begin to, as often as I can, and to the degree that I can, change the hopeless, helpless situation that the world is facing because they don't have anything to anchor hope to. The lost. What can they anchor hope to? The economy is changing. The government is changing. The world is changing. As fast as something is established and we think, oh, that's going to be that way forever, then boom, something else comes along and changes it immediately. And it seems like as fast as things can turn over, they're turning over. Unstable times. And yet we have hope. In the God of our salvation. We have hope that tomorrow is a new day. And his mercy is going to be new to me tomorrow. He'll meet me when I wake up. And he'll give me strength to face that day. And sufficient for the day, Jesus says, is its problems. So he'll meet me tomorrow before I face the difficult times, before I face the issues. His mercies are there for me. And yet some of us haven't gained the secret of early in the morning seeking him. We still have, have not quite got it down to where we seek the Lord first before all the trash starts flooding into our head and into our spirit and we have to just keep our soul from going crazy early in the morning his mercy's there waiting for us and if we seek him there's a new day for us they're new every day every day Every day, literally, I, I say this to you, church, and be encouraged that today might be the worst day that you ever have, but tomorrow could be the best day that you've ever had because it's new every morning. His faithfulness, His compassion, and His mercy is new every morning. There is relief that will come when hope shines into the world. In the midst of a chaotic situation, a thrill of hope, just a twinkle or a sparkle, just something that may even seem like it's fleeting and you just have to reach after it to get it, but there's this opportunity. And when hope shines into the world, then inevitably change comes and peace comes and strength comes and joy comes. 
Amen? Now, now we know that we don't just have hope at Christmas time. We have hope every single day of our life. And we also know that Jesus wasn't born December 25th. It's just the day that we remember his birth and we celebrate his coming. Amen? Hope. What I'm trying to get over to you this morning is that you are the hope of the world and you have the hope of the world inside of you. And if we would just stand and release the love of God, the light of God, the life of God, we would release hope and we could encourage people that today sucks but tomorrow could be better. This is the hope that we have. Amen? This is the hope that we have. The body of Christ. The hope of the world. The body of Christ. Releasing hope. The thrill of hope will break in and change the situations that seem to be just dominating the news and dominating people. You know, we talked about this a while ago when we, we did the sermon series on Think on These Things. The problem that's facing the generation that is rising up in the earth, and we discussed how how many of these doctors' visits that are recorded today in the United States of America seem to be caused by stress and fear. You remember talking about Generation X and the American Psychological Association said that 75 to 90 percent of all doctors' visits within that age group are related to fear. And it's no wonder. Everything is shifting. Nothing is solid and nothing seems to be fixed. And yet, I see these preachers that could do something about it, but instead they're just beating up on the, the young people and talking down about them and calling them babies and calling them pansies and calling them wussies. And you know what? Honest to God, they, they are. They are. You know, a sliver isn't an amputation, you know. But in the same token, why not reach in and give them hope? Why not reach in and say, I see that this has really got you upset and uptight. And I see that you're just paralyzed with fear. Instead of me making fun of you, I'd like to help you and show you a way out of this. This is the generation that's on the earth that they're going to school now and, and they're in college and they're beginning to start families and they're going to be teaching children. I just <laughs> think maybe we should stop making fun of them. Try to help them. Try to love them. But in, in the darkest night, in the darkest issue that people are facing, and I get it. You know, the greatest generation is referred to the greatest generation for a reason. Because they were the greatest generation. That's why we call them that. They gave us freedom from, from the, the absolute crazy wackadoos that were trying to rule the world. They gave us highways and roads and infrastructure and 
our communities, and they were great. And they, they faced things that were absolutely horrific and absolutely unbelievable. But yet still, in their day, someone was standing up and saying, a thrill of hope can come even in the darkest of night. And yeah, our generation today isn't facing the same thing. And I understand that they should probably grow up, pull their pull-up panties up, and get over the presidential election. Cool, I get it. But yet, still, there's a thrill of hope that can break into your helpless and hopeless situation. Someone has to be the voice in that generation saying, Hey, this is the way to God. This is the way to peace and strength and joy and help. Amen? And, I, and again, I get it. I'm not... I'm not saying that everything that's going on is great, and it should. But let's reach down into the pit and pull them out. Or just send them to hell in a handbag. I mean, there's not a whole lot of gray matter there. It's either mock them, because they're not someone that you're not, or help them to be somebody that they can be. Again, to those who are suffering and to those who are in the darkest situations, a new day will come. And, and everything seems like all hope is lost and there's no way out. And that may, we, we may look at that and have no empathy and just say, get over it. Just because it isn't real to us doesn't mean it's not real to them. And it may just be their whole world has come crashing down around them. Remember that Jesus Christ has come into the world and we need to remind people that Jesus has come into the world. Amen? He's delivered us from the power of of the enemy. He brought us out of the authority and the grip and the hold that Satan had on us. And he can forgive you and he can heal you and he can restore you and he can bless you and he can strengthen you and he can walk you through the difficult times that you're facing. Amen? Lift up your head and be encouraged and receive from the Lord the revelation and the understanding that his compassion is new every morning. I feel like that would be better received than telling them that they're just a bunch of pansies. And I'm not just talking about one generation. I'm talking about anybody. The 60-year-old or the 80-year-old or the 13-year-old or whoever. Amen. So looking at Lamentations chapter 3, there's a few things I feel like we can pull out of this. One is uh, the Lord... It doesn't matter how dark and terrible the day is. It doesn't matter how impossible it looks. God is going to provide a new day for us. And in that new day, we could have exactly what it is that we need. The reprieve from the attack. The manifestation of the healing or the provision that God promised us in his word. You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. But if you lose hope, you get discouraged. You begin to get out of fear and then the antithesis, excuse me, you begin to get out of faith and then the antithesis comes. You begin to get into fear and you begin to worry and you begin to calculate and you begin to stress out and freak out. But tomorrow is a new day. His mercy is new. His compassion is new. A thrill of hope 
can come to your day today that tomorrow doesn't have to be like today was. And you may sit there and say, I don't know if that's as advertised. I don't know if that's legit. Well, honey, it is legit. His mercy is new every single morning. And if his breakthrough is going to come, and then his promise is going to come, and if his provision is going to come, it's going to have to come someday. And it very well could be today. It very well could be tomorrow. Amen? We hope with anticipation, eagerly awaiting. We hope with anticipation, looking to the Lord moving in our life. Amen? Again, remember this song, Holy Night, a thrill of hope. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morning. Man, the day before Jesus was born, the world was without a Savior. The day that Jesus was born, for yonder, for tomorrow, it's coming down the pike soon, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morning. The day Jesus was born, the world was changed forever and he had not yet even died. But what happened was the promise that God would send Messiah had finally come. That's going to change things. It's going to change things for everyone and it's going to change things forever. Amen. Another thing that we can look at is the new day that God gives us according to his mercies being new and his compassion being new and his strength being renewed gives us hope to continue to wait on him. Jeremiah says, The Lord is my portion. Lamentations 3.24 Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I'll hope in him. It gives us hope to continue to wait for him to bring us. God has offered us hope that is not anchored. We talked about how the, the world, they don't have anything to anchor their hope to. But yet for us, we have something that anchors our hope. The blood of Jesus, the, the word of God, the Holy Spirit, the promises of God. God's faithfulness, his mercy, his love, his joy, his peace, his strength, his ability. We, we are anchored in our hope knowing in whom we have believed that he is able and willing to perform it. Amen? We know that we can anchor our, our hope in him and know that he's going to bring it to pass. He, we, we don't have our hope anchored in circumstances. We don't have our hope anchored in, in discouragement and pain, but it's anchored in Jesus himself. Hebrews chapter 10, if you want to turn there. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, the writer of Hebrews says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, because he who promised is faithful. My hope is not anchored in anything else. In fact, my hope is stayed on Jesus Christ. Amen? Let us hold on to our confession of hope without wavering. Why? Because it's tied to someone who is faithful. His promises are true. And he'll fulfill them for us. Amen. Praise God. Again, that, 
that understanding that 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 new day tomorrow is a new day and so I can hope that that God's going to bring my salvation my deliverance my healing my provision my my job that I've been believing him for the family member who's lost to come in the the miracle that I've been believing God for for the church or for a member of the church to happen there's hope we look to tomorrow believing that God you could do it tomorrow I believe you're able and willing and so I look today I receive hope I don't lose heart I Thank you that your mercy is new today. Your compassion towards me is new today. Amen. The thrill of hope begins to stir in our heart. And we begin to remember the Lord. And we begin to remember his faithfulness. We remember his covenant. And we remember his promises. Amen. Then lastly, we can see that... That, that new day that we are promised as mercies being new every morning could very well with it bring the absolute help that we've been waiting for. Could very well bring the help that we need. The writer of O Holy Night says, Long lay the world in sin and in error pining away but yet the day that Christ came into the world we know that God promised a savior we know that God promised his people Messiah in the day that Christ was born and it was foretold of his birth and it was spoken by the angels and declared about his coming and what his name would be and what he would do, there must have been this hope that finally generations have waited for the Christ. Long lay the world in sin and in error. But then he appeared. Amen? He appeared and humanity said, what, what manner of man am I? Who am I? What am I that you would make me your son or your daughter? John said it this way. He said, what manner of love has the Father bestowed upon us? that we would be called the children of God. This thrill of hope came that Messiah has come. Messiah has come. I know he'll die for the sin of humanity and he's here. Amen. That new day might just be bringing with it the help that you need. Your miracle is going to happen someday. It might just be tomorrow. Your breakthrough is going to happen someday. It might just be tomorrow. Well, pastor, I don't think that that's fair. You're just, you're just playing games with us and toying with our emotions. No, I'm trying to stir you in faith and in hope. Believe. Abram was promised a child. And the Bible says that Sarah's womb was dead. So I'm not trying to be crude or inappropriate. That means that the time of her cycle had ended. Would everybody agree with that? But yet, God literally said, you got to go do something with what I told you. And the Bible says that his body was dead. And there was no cure in the little blue pill 
for what was ailing him. Is everybody okay with that? But yet, he still went. We know that there had to be an action that took place for, for her womb to be able to receive and to conceive a child. Yes? So yet, looking at every single thing that was contrary to them, Abram went and laid with his wife, Sarai. And the Bible says, in hope. Yet in hope, he believed. Think about that. My promise has to come someday. It could be today. I'm not, I'm not throwing a carrot out there and toying with your emotions. I'm telling you that God is the God of hope and comfort and we can put our hope in him. Some of you may have been waiting on God and believing God and, and just standing waiting for decades and decades and decades. The children of Israel waited for generations and generations and generations. And the Bible says in Romans that Abram in hope believed. Who contrary to hope, contrary to this is not even possible, this can't even happen. The store is closed. There's no way, but yet in hope he believed. Not wavering, not giving up, not quitting, realizing every day is another chance that it could happen today. Every day is another chance that it could happen a day and allowing that thrill of hope to come and every day. Today could be the day. Today could be, and not losing hope and not losing faith and not wavering at the promise and over and over and over and day in and day out and over and over and over. And the Bible refers to that man as the father of faith. Because there was no natural way it could happen. But he hoped in God. He didn't waver at the promise. And he believed God was going to honor his word. He held fast the confession of his hope. Because he who promised was faithful. So I'm not toying with you. No. I'm not playing some game to try to stir you up just to watch you fail and fall. No, I truly, honest to God, believe that your day is going to come. And it could be today and it could be tomorrow. But every day, every morning, every day that you live is another chance for God to show you his salvation. Amen? It's important for us, and I'll close with this. It's important for us every day, not just this season. It's important for you and I to remember that the world without Christ goes through these pains and these aches and these problems. And they have nothing that they can put their hope in. There's nothing for them to anchor their belief or their hope in that it's going to come to pass because everything else is shifting and failing and falling and crumbling. 
So it's up to you and I, church. It's up to you and I to go and to shine the light of Jesus and to give the hope of God's salvation and his provision and his protection to the world. Jesus isn't going to do it. He left that up for you and I to do it. Amen? I mean, think about this statement, the wages of sin, Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. That's an absolute statement, and it's true. It's absolute. But something happened. And there was a moment in time where Christ came in the fullness of time, and he died for the ungodly. Amen? So the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen? Father, thank you for the word. Lord, I, I believe that you ministered to the people. I believe that we've been encouraged and strengthened and reminded of your goodness, reminded of your faithfulness, just by taking a look at this hymn. Lord, I, I believe everyone here is born again. I don't know everyone personally, but I know of everyone, and I believe that we are all born again. And so we just simply say thank you for saving us. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you, Father God, that we are not of those who mourn with no hope, but in our loss and in our suffering, in our pain, in our agony, we have joy knowing that it's going to end, that the Deliverer is going to come, the Redeemer is going to come, that He will bring the promise. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.